0: guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chad on Score North and scorenorth.com.
1: Yeah, he'll sit down, he'll shoot you straight, he'll talk with you, he'll work with you. Tim has really earned this opportunity. And you you feel for a, a Denver Nuggets organization because that type of deal, like Woe said, is a deal that maybe only two or three ever get. And so Tim has to go do what's best for his family. He has to go take this opportunity. But, you know, ultimately what he built in, in Denver, it kind of mirrors what's going on in Minnesota. They have a bunch of young talent yeah. that if you put the right pieces around, and Minnesota's like, hey, this guy's already done this job. Let's go see if he can do it here. Right.
0: That's it Dick Jefferson breaking it down right there for ESPN.
2: Why'd you go with that? Yeah, Why'd you on, say man. that? What do you mean? I mean, I mean Richard Jefferson's good, man.
0: Rick he's Jefferson good. right there. He's actually a really good analyst. They've some. They've, they've oh, done a pretty good job kind of, what was it, almost two years ago, the whole Rachel Nichols fiasco? Or like okay, a, year oh, ago. a year ago. Paul
2: Pierce. Paul Pierce didn't really care.
0: No, right. he like, mailed
2: it. Like, and Tracy
0: McGrady's fine, but Tracy McGrady always looks like he's about to fall asleep. You yeah. know, there's, just, there's not, a, not the a lot of energy. actually
1: cares about the job. I had that's, no idea Tracy McGrady was doing stuff.
0: Yeah, it's because he was half asleep oh. the whole time.
2: He fell, yeah, he's like, mm-hmm. wake up, Tracy. Tracy.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to celebrate the fact that Alex Rodriguez broke the news of the new Timberwolves president Oops. of basketball operations? Tim Connolly, do you think Alex Rodriguez who has definitely been known to post like the vain social media thing where hey guys just getting some work done and really it's about the background he's on a, right. a beach somewhere. Yeah. Do you think Alex Rodriguez meant for the press release to be up on his computer when he posted that picture on Instagram?
2: Oh no, it's a total accident. No, no, he totally didn't mean it. of course. Yeah, that was hilarious. I mean, that's he can't help himself which yeah. is just great. <laughs> but here's here's my question. So he's still doing the the well he's doing a Sunday night thing like the Manning cast now yeah it's it's actually pretty Mike, good okay, yeah my question is this does he does when he breaks uh, or gives you scoops on Twitter does Woj call him and say this is ESPN on ESPN crime how could you do this <laughs> no. to
0: Woj it's a good
2: question well
0: so how do you think and we'll get into what this means for the Timberwolves and and you know, the athletic had a good piece just sort of outlining how this happened what does this mean for the Wolves and expectations? This is all very, very new. It's new territory, but it's also something that they tried with Tom Thibodeau a few years ago, too, and it kind of blew up in their faces. But I was so fascinated by the process of by which this news broke. So A-Rod sends out that photo, and yep. within an hour or two, everyone's screenshotting it and zooming in on what's on his laptop. Oh, my God. Is that a press release? You can kind of <laughs> It's kind of grainy, but you can read the headline. You know, Timberwolves set to name Tim Connolly, president of basketball operations. And then, Within about an hour of that photo making the rounds, Mm -hmm. you had Woj, Shams, and a couple other insiders, and Johnny K, all Mm -hmm. fired off about the same tweet, and then the Athletic had you know a one thousand word expose on how it all went down that fired immediately after that. So did the Wolves embargo this? Hmm. Was this so? The timeline is: Connolly comes into Minnesota after days of discussions and an offer, and sits down with Glenn Taylor in Mankato and then they also brought in CEO Ethan Casson, Ryan Tankey, the COO, and I think Mark Laurie might have been there too. And so they hang out on Saturday, probably eat some potato salad, some lasagna, whatever it is. And then he sits on this throughout the weekend. And then the news comes out very systematically on Monday. I don't know. I'm as a former reporter Judd, I'm I'm fascinated with how this news broke
2: yesterday. Um well, I think first of all, I think that there was probably like I think the Glenn Taylor, and this is just a tall guess, but I think the Glenn Taylor part was the deal was basically done at that point in time. Um, but they had, but like Glenn still owns the team, or at least the majority stake in the team, so it had to at least go through him. My guess is, to a certain point, they Conley had to weaken
0: that Bernie's well, him and grab his hand and sign a
2: contract. Yeah, and one. and and Tim Conley, who is who's you know been in this league now for a long time probably had some questions about, like, the sale itself. Like, like he's getting a stake in the team, and to call a spade a spade. Right now, a and Lori own 20%. They hopefully, by December of t- uh, 2023, will own a majority stake because they're going to buy another 20% this year, and then I think the last piece is 40%. So they will eventually own 80%. But if you're Conley, you probably have questions about Glenn to make sure that this is all going down as planned, right? Like, well, you probably have
0: a lot of questions about Glenn, period. And, right, right, but
2: I'm just saying, if Glenn says at the table, he pushes away his coffee and pie and says, let me tell you something, Tim. And Tim's like, yeah, what, Glenn? And he says, I'm having second thoughts about selling because I really like this team. <laughs> you You might be like, dude, I'm going back to Denver. So I think that plays a a role. But I think the reporting part, um, my guess is Laurie Hedman, the actual, here's what we're planning. Don't burn us. And A-Rod came in with, I'm going to show the cute tweet. So that's my guess. I think Mark is, I think Mark, as far as I can tell, I might be totally wrong here, but this is just my sense I think we're dealing with, and this is not a bad thing. This is just to be very clear, not a criticism. I think we're dealing with a Mark Cuban type here. Yes, I think he enjoys. Hundred percent.
0: I think he enjoys the
2: game. It's great. And God, it's exactly
0: what we've wanted for twenty years.
2: Yeah, exactly. Just
0: uh, just a non. I don't want to be too mean to Glenn because I feel like I've been really mean to him for ten years, and I feel like he has been one of the worst owners in professional sports history since I was born. Yep. But we've just wanted someone that's in. And, and it's weird cuz he's engaged he sits courtside in those little sweaters and stuff but he's just so okay. aloof and oblivious it's and a he's, he's not a shark yes it,
2: but but like but like to 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 peel to peel back and not criticize glenn but to call it like it is he runs the timberwolves like they are the local grocery store owned by a family down the street dude at one point and that's wasn't not how the, things work.
0: wasn't the team no. president at one point you know 10 15 years his ago, son-in-law. also running his his personal finances. His son-in-law, and stuff. Rob
2: Moore. Yeah. Was was the president. But I mean, he, he has run, he goes to games like like he is, you know, hi Mr. Taylor from down the street. How's the <laughs> store going? Well, it's, it's going true, pretty man. well. And uh, so I really enjoy this game. But you know what? He's but, Mr. Rogers, man. He's yeah, Mr. He Rogers. Is. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> we now are seeing, and I don't know if it's gonna work, and I'm going to tell you right now get your head around this the end game is a building a new one which by the way i think this team needs but so like it's not always going to to be peaches and cream with everyone but this team is now going to be run like a team is run for the most part yeah or should be in 2022
0: well this is exactly this is an amazing hire let's let's just let's just say it this is and it's they had to pay a ta- they had to pay Timberwolves tax. We talked yeah. about the Timberwolves tax last and week it, when and right we kinda right. threw out Pat Riley and when, when when Doogie reported and he and he's been floating this for months and months, credit to him, and you guys did a scoop session, you can find that on the Mackie and Judd Podcast feed and also score on the YouTube channel. Yep. He's been talking about behind the scenes they've been sniffing around big game hunting for top pobos for a long time here. And we kinda threw out well then Pat Riley, you know. Uh, Masai Ujiri, they literally made overtures to all of those guys. And and I'm sure people around the league laugh at it, right? Who the hell? The Timberwolves reaching out to Pat Riley? Yep. They can't think that. They can't associate 30 years of Timberwolves failure and, you know, being a laughingstock with what they want to do in the future, and they aren't, and I love it. Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez have known nothing but professional success. Now, Arod had a couple black eyes with the steroid things. But Alex Rodriguez as a baseball player, cheating or not, was one of the best of all time. And Mark Laurie as a businessman is one of the best. He's not quite like Elon Musk, but, you know, he's he has built and sold companies for billions of dollars, Amazon, Walmart. They aren't associating what they are trying to do with 30 years of Timberwolves failure. And this hire illustrates that. They had to double Tim Connolly's salary from what he was making in Denver to make this happen. So there still is a Timberwolves tax, but they did it. Credit to Glenn Taylor for not, I don't know, imploding this at the last minute or getting cold
2: feet. He is trusting these guys as if they are running the organization, which they basically are. Which was the question, when this sale was first first broke, I think surprisingly, which was a week ago this year, um, I think we all said this. We all said, okay, cool. But then we found out that it was going to be a gradual sale, right? So our question was, well, are these guys going to be allowed to make changes? Are they going to be allowed to move? Because, like, 2023 is a long time. Um, And clearly now we know the answer is no. Like, they they can move on on things, which is the most important thing. This is the
0: biggest thing that you would move on. Like, this is... is
2: And that's the most important thing that Glenn is allowing them to do. And it's absolutely huge. Now, I will say this, and this is so, so like to me, this came from uh, a on the bonus scoop today, which, which you can find. But this is one of the most interesting things, Phil, about this entire thing to me. And this perfectly illustrates Glenn's wolves and A Rod and Lori's wolves. Okay. Tim Conley, one of the best most respected and powerful executives in the league. His contract was nearing an end, but was not there yet. Um, And that contract had no clause. I don't know how. It makes no sense. But there was no clause in Conley's contract saying that a team had to get permission to talk to him. Mm -hmm. So anyone could have approached him. The Wolves' new brass said, perfect. Went and talked to him. Basically made an, an offer uh, that, to your point, yes, had a Timberwolves tax, but basically a poison pill, too. Because Denver was not going to say, take a 1% stake in our team, Tim. Um,
0: yeah, the Cronkies are a that's fa- long-time yes. family. And the it's- Cronkies,
2: by the way, despicable. Like, I, I, have, no, <laughs> I have no patience <laughs> for the Cronkies. But here's the thing. Doogie informed us. Guess who said, well, guys, we got to call the Cronkies and tell them? Glenn Taylor did. Yeah. And that's the difference. He's got,
0: he's got to make that he's hey gotta,
2: guys, we've, yep. we're, we're both I, But I love and, and this could come back to bite fans. I don't know where this is going eventually, but I love the shark mentality here, which is you know what? Hell no. We're going to do our thing. Now that that can play both ways, yeah. especially as uh, things gradually move towards uh, difficult conversations that PJ Fleck likes to eat for breakfast. <laughs> but But the fact is there is going to be a shark mentality. There is going to be a mentality that's going to be corporate. That's probably going to cost a lot more people that are familiar names in this town with that team, their jobs. It's unfortunate in some ways, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's necessary to get this franchise where where this franchise can potentially go because we have seen enough garbage.
0: You know, here's another thing too. And then, we'll, and then let's get into the actual sort of, okay, what does this mean for the team and the wins and losses going forward? Cause it's, this is, this is great for all of those things. And we'll get to it in a second here, but you know, from a business standpoint on the surface, you might say, Holy crap. What is it? Is it a uh, five years, 40 million, right? So it's going to be $8 million a year with 1%. At least equity in the team, and that's a. I'm think that's that's around. Tom Thibodeau was between like six and eight million somewhere yeah.
2: to run everything. I mean, he was right. doing
0: two jobs. He, I now, think it was eight yeah. million dollars here to be the coach and the pobo. Yep, and that at the time it was very exciting because oh my god, they made a big. This is a this is a big investment. This is exactly the type of swing you should make. And
2: certain search, yeah. search firm told Glenda that Tom yeah. was
0: available. But this is you might say, holy crap! For a, for a president of basketball operations, they're making him essentially the highest paid or one of the two or three highest paid executives in the NBA, $40 million over five years and a slice, probably a small sliver slice of ownership. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? So I just pulled up the Forbes list of most valuable NBA franchises. The Timberwolves are 28th right now. This is for the 2021-22 season. So the list for next season has come out Correct. And the franchise is valued at $1.5 billion. Mm Mm-hmm. A few of the teams above the Timberwolves on this list. Forget about like the Knicks and the Lakers. That's that is pie in the sky. Let's look at some other Western Conference, Eastern Conference, Midwest, or middle sort of market teams. Yeah. The Bucks are 17th on this list. Their franchise is worth $1.9 billion. The Phoenix Suns down in the desert. It's a nice, nice organization. They're not in a huge market. It's Phoenix. $1.8 billion. Nuggets 1.7, Jazz 1.75. So, if you can just win, not even at a championship, so take the bucks out. If you can just win at the level that the Nuggets, Jazz, and Suns have been winning at, which is good teams, 50 plus wins for a, a pretty long stretch, you're winning a playoff series or two, you can increase the value of your franchise by almost a half billion dollars. And if, if for eight million dollars a year, Tim Conley can help put together those rosters and that strategy, it is a drop in the bucket for what this franchise could be worth in five years from now if all goes the way that it has gone for Denver in the last five
2: years. And the difference between, so where this differs from the Wolves' previous attempts and largely swings and misses on Pobos and GMs is this one too. Conley comes with a reputation that's great and and a resume that's impressive. Because think about this, Tibbs. Okay, I will admit fully. I was excited. I thought, oh my god, they got. I mean, it took a search firm. I it shouldn't have done that. But, um, but what did Tibbs have? Tibbs had coaching cred, but he had no POBO cred, and he was a mess there. Like 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 he was a total. He didn't know how to run people. It was too much. It didn't work. Right. I mean, Flip was tragic because he passed. But I mean, you look, you go back through this list. And this is really the first time Gerson looked to be promising, but he, he was a, a two who came up and, and then got promoted. So this is the first time that the Wolves have said, "You know what? Screw it. We're going to go get the best executive that we possibly can." Love it. Uh, I think yeah, I love it. I think ever right. I I don't think they've ever made a move where they where they poached an executive with this credibility. Who, by the way, is is making a parallel move. I'll so give you. I'll like actually give you a list of. GM.
0: I've got a list for later in the show here of the best Wolves brain trust coach combos in franchise history. I think I think I've got that list right. It's not a very impressive list, but yeah, I mean, having expectations for the Timberwolves feels weird, but we have to now. It's you know, last year was kind of all right. Finally, finally, things sort of lived up to close to what people were expecting and thinking, and you got this young nucleus. But it's always felt like a little fragile. How could it not? Thirty years and what, two playoff series victories, they've only had one season in 30-plus years where they have, I think it's been 33 years now, one season in which they've won a playoff series before. So even when they have some success, it always feels like you're looking around, your head's on a swivel, okay, what's going to happen? When you start to piece together what they have now, they have one of the top and most respected executives in the entire league, Tim Connolly, running the show. The proof in his abilities to run a franchise is staring at you from your own conference, the Denver Nuggets. Right. right. Yep. Yep. You have a very good, respected coach that received a small handful of Coach of the Year votes, not first place votes. I still take issue with that. And Chris Finch, you have one of the fastest rising star wing players in the NBA that put on a show in the playoffs, and Anthony Edwards. And even though some of his playoff performances were despicable. And his maturity is questionable at best. Carl Anthony Towns is a unicorn big man who's still in his mid-20s, in his prime. And you have all kinds of interesting complimentary pieces. Jaden McDaniels is only going to get better from here. Um, Jared Vanderbilt is probably only going to get better from here. And there's other pieces, too. So it's like you start to look at what they have. And if you can just get rid of the angst feeling of Timberwolves' history... This is a very, very interesting spot for this franchise to be in here. And, uh, and, and I, I just love that they found this guy at this time to run the whole thing and piece it all together.
2: It feels like, too, that Conley uh, comes here with one of the most important things because if you think back, the inconsistency and one of the problems and the downfall of this franchise was drafting, right? Like it, it was, and, and you know, Cat was a great pick, but it's a top pick and same thing. I'm talking about I'm talking about the nuance of drafting. I'm talking about second round picks and actually getting them. I, I mean how long have have we said, well the Spurs did or Denver did? So just from a simple standpoint of and it sounds stupid, but a guy who has a track record of very competent, good, and yes, he's going to miss at times, but good drafting to build teams to then make trades. So like, there are, there are a number of unexplored small things that probably added up to the Wolves' complete downfall that can be rectified. Not promising that they will be, but I like their chances
0: now. Yeah, to your point about Denver's drafting, and, and we can do more of a dive into this, too, because there's definitely more meat on this bone, but the highest pick they've had, so Connelly, I think 2014 was the first draft he was a part of in Denver. That was the Nikola Jokic draft. They found him in the second round. And uh, since then, and he's been running the whole thing since 2017. I think the 2018 draft was the first where he was the, the, the actual Pobo. The highest draft pick they've had is the seventh overall pick. And more often than not, they're picking mid to late first round. And they're still finding guy. I mean, they're, they find Jamal Murray with the seventh pick in a draft in which didn't the Timberwolves take Chris Dunn in the 2016 yeah. first round?
2: Yeah. yeah, Tibbs did. Yeah, because yeah. you can play defense. 20, defense switch. Yeah,
0: And Denver gets a snipe shooting combo guard in Jamal Murray. Yep. Um, they find Michael Porter with the 14th pick. Bones Highland was a great rotation player for them out of VCU this year with the 26th
2: pick. And a great name.
0: Uh, Michael Porter, 14th. like so, And even, even um, in 2017, Monte Morris from Iowa State has become – Just a really good 25, 30 minutes per game rotational guy who can shoot threes in the second round with a 51st pick. Uh So hopefully the Wolves aren't picking higher than seventh very often. But Connolly has a track record of being able to find guys mid-first round, second round, and build a franchise that way. So what a hire. Frickin' A, man. I love this.
2: I just like the fact that they are turning this into a franchise that is going to be run at least in in a modern day way. Cause yeah, like the this is not a rip of Glenn, but it was run as a mod paw shop. And eventually like like and that had a run where it was okay, but unfortunately that came to an end, but the mentality really sort of didn't. Yeah. And so I think the mentality of the entire franchise is being changed, business-wise, basketball-wise, everything. And that becomes incredibly, incredibly important. And this, to me, I like the fact that this has a feel of, we are going to go get our guy. Um, and again, I will say, for, for those who, who come back and fairly say, well, you know, they hired Tibbs and you guys were excited. The difference there is Tibbs was an unknown as a po'bo. This guy's not. Yes,
0: and I think at the time Tibbs was one of only maybe three guys in the entire league that was both the pobo and the coach. Those are both burnout jobs individually, and he was doing both. Now Tibbs doesn't have a family or a wife. He just so he had more time to got pour steak into and basketball. Them. Yeah, he's got Murray's and he's got the Skyway and he's got his office. Potato. Uh, so, so having two guys at the top of their game. Focusing on those jobs individually is yep. better than having one guy just burnt out all the time yelling at people.
2: And Chris Finch seems stable, which unfortunately, as we quickly learned about Tibbs, he was not.
0: Yeah. I, have, I do have one more thing for you guys here on this in terms of is this the best brain trust that we've seen in Timberwolves history? And I, I'm trying to piece together a list here. But uh, a shout out to our friends at Chill Boys. So the most comfortable underwear that we've ever worn, Chill Boys. And I'm telling you, the long underwear on cool mornings. Well, it's summertime, but you, it's, it's cool chill, here. Chill Boys are great for all seasons, really, with that bamboo fabric. No. And um, you can find them online. They're a Minnesota-based company at chillboys.com, and you can tell them Score North or Purple Daily if you uh, consume that show as well. Sent you there. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Dennis Kirk and denniskirk.com. So if you like to ride and uh, get out on the open road with the wind blowing through your hair, doesn't matter what you ride, whether it's a Harley, a Metric Cruiser, a sport bike, Dennis Kirk has you covered with 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, same day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m., and free shipping on orders over $89. Ride more, weight less at DennisKirk.com. So I think this is the best combination of Hobo or GM. And coach in Timberwolves history. And this is all due respect to like Kevin McHale and Flip Saunders were a great pairing for a long time. Yeah, they were. But Kevin McHale made some bad mistakes. I, I would argue that Flip Saunders was was great at his job, and Kevin McHale was great finding Kevin Garnett, and then later on finding Kevin Love to sort of bookend his tenure. But the time between that was just filled with bumbling mistakes and signing Joe Smith under the table and whiffing on first-round picks and not finding a sidekick for KG. And so, I mean, Connolly has a better track record than Kevin McHale does. Already, to me, because oh, yeah. he doesn't have the His bumbling resume. mistakes. His resume
2: is very impressive. There's no question.
0: And then Flip Saunders, I think you know, it's going to take Finch a while to get to the Flip Saunders level where he's just a perennial playoff coach, right? But that's kind of, I mean, Kevin McHale and Flip Saunders are kind of the gold standard, which is mostly held up by Flip. Then you have Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden. Had one good year. Scott, right Scott, the like, here. Scott, Scott Layden. Him.
2: Black coffee.
0: You had the you had the the one-year run of Flip Saunders and Rick Adleman that brought the Timberwolves close to the playoffs, but yeah. couldn't quite pay it off.
2: Yeah, and Rick was, I. Rick in his heyday was really good. I think by that point there was a lot going on that outside of basketball that probably distracted Rick.
0: Yeah, uh, David Kahn and Kurt Rambis just missed my list here. Uh, just boy. missed my watch. watch-,
2: watch. Yeah, I, yeah. That that's my point. Is if you look back, it's basically McHale and Flip and nothing else. And and as we'll discuss, Kevin Kevin McHale in the nineties did some really good things, and then we got to the two thousands and two thousand five, and he did some really bad things. Well if people um, give him
0: credit for Marbury too, and you know how I feel about that. And he that's was the wrong 90s about though. he was wrong about that too though.
2: Well they drafted
0: I, Ray Allen and traded him. Ray Allen was the guy. And they he, got and then they wound up with Marbury.
2: I've told you this because of positions at that time, I still like that trade at the time. But in the two thousands there's no debating. Wrong. No, in two thousand five. I don't wrong. want to debate Marbury. You you were how, how is it that's not even a debate? Like, how is it a debate? Because point the point guard position and what Marbury was going to bring to that team was seen as imperatively important at the time. But now, was if, it? All now the NBA champions be, in
0: the eighties and nineties were wing players. I mean, Matt, you want to call Mad, Magic wanted, Johnson, but Magic they, Johnson was like a they, six foot nine point guard.
2: They wanted uh, John Stockton and the mailman, and they thought that those two would give them that. That was and wrong, Marbury, and they and they hadn't had a point guard. Like Stefan in their entire history at that time. So, but anyway. Nor had they had a shooting armed, guard like Ray Allen in got, their entire history. Well, I mean, history. you're arguing it from like 30 years after. That's because you're like time digging time. in. Because <laughs> the Marbury trade, go back and ask anybody at the time. We all love that Yeah, those that people were wrong. We all love wrong. that trade. Yeah, we're wrong in 2000. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Anyway. Get anyway, <laughs> two punks. Anyway, Mikhail, later on, there's no denying that he. This is one of the more impressive executive hires. In recent Minnesota sports history, as far as the resume the, the person brings to the job,
0: what's the percent chance? Much like we did, we literally celebrated Tom Thibodeau. He came on our show a couple times. We had oh, the, we got that goo- goofy picture of Mackie and Judd with Tom Thibodeau yeah. on the Skyway, That's all of us smiling, uncomfortable. You know, what are the chances that in two years or three years from now, we're doing the same thing we did with Thibodeau, which is get this clown out of here, this buffoon? If what a terrible was, hire.
2: If this was Glenn. He's pretty low. If, if this was Taylor's guy, I'd be very concerned that it, it would blow up. But because it's not, I think it's going to be okay. Okay. I think it's going to be bo- right. okay. But that's because my what do you think? Are you
0: going to be clipping an old takes or old tweets exposed from us in a few years? Probably. I'll be ready to clip You think this. so?
1: Yeah. No, no. I Actually, I, I love the Connolly hire. <laughs> I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good hire. Um, look, the Denver Nuggets have built a really damn good roster over the last five years, and I know, look, Golden State has mostly still had that threshold, and, and, and they've now looked like they now look like they're going to win another NBA title, but Phoenix has been able to pop up. Denver's been able to pop up. Portland went to the Western Conference Finals not too long ago. Like, There's no reason the Wolves can't also be one of those teams. They, and and Connolly played a big factor in getting Denver to, to be one of those good teams, and I think the Wolves can do it too. Yep, totally agree.
2: I think the totally thing too agree. is, is this just from a starting point. This team still needs credibility, and this guy brings it to him.
0: Yeah. To what extent just credibility? That's my last question for just. And we we there's so many other things we we can talk about. We can pick this conversation up the rest of the week too. But to what extent, compared to let's say a year ago or two years ago, have the Wolves gained credibility and respect around the league? I, they have a lot of work to do still. But you know, beating the Clippers in the playing game. The way that they lost to Memphis was kind of embarrassing cuz they set a record for most blown double digit fourth leads, but they did go 6 games against a really good Memphis team, right? Yep. Yes. And then they and then they steal away one of the best executives in the NBA from a respected franchise. Like, so, where if they were on a 1 to 10 scale of embarrassment, if 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 10 if they were like a 10 embarrassed level, right? What are they now? Are they like like a 5? I think totally. they're trending closer to respectable now.
2: And beyond their successes well look at this you've got now um you've got ant and i think ant brings you more credibility than carl as far as like outwork like i think players gravitate i don't know that yeah, players, people think
0: cats kind of a people do think cats kind of a
2: he's soft um but i think people i think that there is a perception of, of ant that's incredibly positive i think chris finch brings uh stability that's respected that they didn't have i mean tibbs unfortunately turned out to be a it turned out to be a circus. So I think that there is now and and Laurie, what he brings, look like let's just juxtapose this one. Glenn Taylor on the wolves side, right? By the wolves bench in a sweater, and a guy who's kicking off his shoes, which which no matter what you think is going to be perceived as cool by people who are important, um, and he's into the game and he's up cheering, right? rod in my opinion is a buffoon to a certain point but I think that he's still respected because he's a shark himself so yeah I think that there is a credibility factor just from the people in- involved right now that was lacking um and and you know I mean I'm sorry but you look at Glenn God bless him and he's you know he's there in a sweater with Becky and he's not a, cool you know hes just, a just say, he's, not, he's
0: not cool he's just kind of a cool he's enough. a bad owner and he's not cool
2: it's a mod pod thing. Yeah, that's let's,
0: what make, let's make the Timberwolves cool again. That's what we're trying to do here. Actually,
2: for the first time, in how long? Flip probably had them. Flip at one point was. Cool.
0: They were really cool in 2003, four. Yep. And then they were they were kind of cool in 2017. They've mostly just been sitting at their own lunch well, table. and that's where Jimmy, cool I think that's where Jimmy like
2: couldn't take it. He's like, "You guys aren't cool at all. I'm so cool. I'm Jimmy Butler.
0: <laughs> that's that's what he always thinks. I'm just I'm so cool." All right, um, yeah, let us know what you think too in the YouTube comment section of this episode or hit us up too. What's your level of Wolves excitement now that Tim Connolly is running the organization? It's also, uh, it's pecking order Tuesday here on Mackie and Joe where we like to rank random things. And Judd, you have taken the pecking order today and applied it to some of the best and worst executive hires in Minnesota sports history.
2: Yes. Yes, and the job that they did. I have a top five. I have a bottom five. The latter might be more fun. I also, to be very clear, have am not including Crazy, Tim Conley, obviously, Falvey and Garen, because I feel like these are works in progress and like Falvey's done some good things. He's also done some bad things. Mm-hmm. Um I took out Fenton and Rosas because they had problems, but they're te- those teams are sort of works in progress. So I went with guys who we know. Okay. We, we know the end of the story as far as actual team success or lack thereof. Where do you want me to start? Let's we'll start five? with the good.
0: Let's start with the. Okay. Let's All start right. with the positive memories here. Let's All do right. it.
2: I will work my way up, and I will tell you that when I embarked on this assignment, um, I didn't realize how difficult it would be. I'll tease it that way.
0: To find Started. to find the
2: good ones, uh, both okay. both because it was hard to leave pe- people off. People went back and forth. As far as there was some very good, and then
0: well, ex- it's about the body ex- of work. Exactly, bo- you are not going to bat a thousand as a, exactly. as an executive. Okay, let's exactly.
2: realistic expectations here. Number five on the best of list is going to be an interesting one because I split it. It's the Vikings. It is Brad Childress who had final say on the fifty three man roster, and Rick Spielman. Now, Rick. As GM does not make it, okay. But these two together, especially through 2009, got Brett Favre. Took the team to the conference championship game. Had a really damn good team. Adrian Peterson, 17, was a pop-up fun year. But I don't think that was a really a built team. I mean, Case Keenum was QB. This team had Favre. His team had all of those things yeah. and basically delivered on the promise that I think Childress saw when, when he got the job in 2006. So five, Childress, Childress with credit to Spielman on my top list.
0: Wow. I feel like you. this is the first time I've ever heard you praise Brad Childress in eight years doing shows with you.
2: As Ryan Longwell said, ultimately, a far better personnel man than a coach. Okay. He was a better GM and roster construction guy than actually coaching that roster. Number four on my list. This might be low, but it's interesting. Terry Ryan, one. This is <laughs> Terry great. Terry Ryan, 1.0. Because Terry Ryan has two. There's just a huge separation there. There was a very different vibe there. But but Terry uh, was named to succeed Andy McPhail was GM when McPhail went to the Cubs after the 94 season. And Terry Ryan oversaw some awful clubs. Cost-cutting, uh, Metrodome, just, bo- I mean, the 90s, the rest of that decade was just terrible. Uh, there is the Ortiz mistake, which is terrible, but you know what? This team basically became a perennial playoff team. They made it the playoffs in four of five seasons before Terry stepped down. So Terry Ryan 1.0 is my fourth guy because I think he did ultimately with a budget that was not huge. He ultimately Mm -hmm. built a team that was consistently competitive playing in a stadium where I don't know that they ever expected to be consistently competitive again.
0: Bittersweet because, yeah, it's one of the great regular season stretches in Twins history, right, over a a 10-year period. But the glaring playoff failures are what stand out. To a lot of people, but the, the problem is in baseball, especially when you're operating on a shoestring budget, and you're not going to go out and sign the big free agent pitcher like other markets would. You know, you're the A's and the Twins. You're kind of putting together a system organizationally that can get you Twins way to 90 wins and see what happens in the playoffs. And by the way, Moneyball was on last night as I was going to oh, sleep. Nice,
2: yeah. Jerry right. passed up the opportunity, man.
0: Man, yeah, and, uh, Michael Lewis, the author of Moneyball. Did a podcast with Dan Lebitard on South Beach, uh, South Beach sessions a couple months ago. It's great. He told the whole back- He didn't talk about the twins saying no, but he told the whole backstory about just like teams being pissed about the A's thumping their chest and stuff. Uh, but that could have been the twins. The twins could have been thumping their chest in a book written by Michael Lewis and they turned it down mm. in the Pitt early 2000s. would not have played Terry Ryan. No, <laughs> no, I think so. Maybe Rob Anthony. He might have played Rob Anthony.
2: That's, that's true. It's a good point. Okay, number three. Go in the way back machine. Vikings GM from 1964 to 73, Jim Finks. Wow. Hall of Fa- Pro Football Hall of Famer. He actually was a top executive with the Chicago Cubs in 84 when they ended their playoff drought. They had not been to, at that time, a playoff or post-season appearance since 1945. So Jim Finks. But Jim Finks was the architect Of the Vikings team that went to its first two Super Bowls, of course, lost them both. He is the guy who hired Bud Grant in 1967. Jim Finks um, was very, very good. He is number three on my list.
0: I'd love to know what the decision-making process looked like back in the late 60s, early 70s. Just a bunch of guys in a smoke-filled conference room. (laughs) A phone in the middle of the table.
2: That's what. That's pretty much what
0: the draft was until Mel Kiper came along. Right,
2: newspapers with like names circled. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, number two. This guy was a coach. He was not credited with being a GM, but in retrospect, we have found out that he had personnel power, and he did a really good job. Dennis Green yeah dennis green uh if nothing else the man said we are drafting randy moss and stopping his fall and i know now kids might be like well no kidding judd he was into the 20s by that point but there were a lot of competent teams that passed on moss that were afraid of the baggage that were afraid of the problems um eight of green's 10 years the vikings made the playoffs I know that they didn't deliver with a Super Bowl appearance.
0: But they did deliver the greatest season in Vikings history. Exactly. And regular Dennis, season, anyway. And
2: Dennis Green was was in the face of a lot of chaos um, as far as who, who was in control. Dennis Green did a really good job. Yeah. Are you going hockey here? Nope. Wow. No, there's an obvious. Big it, snub. There's an obvious one here. Uh, in fact, you know what? I don't know that I went hockey on either of my lists. I did, I did leave one guy off of the next list, but he barely got left off. But number one, number one, slam dunk, Annie McPhail. Dom. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, right. uh, named the Twins GM in, in 1985 after being hired the previous year. He won World Series, uh, constructed that in 87-91. He's the guy that basically told Carl, Tom Kelly is the guy. We need to hire him. Uh... Hired away by the Cubs after the 94 season. Andy McPhail is the greatest architect when it comes to sports teams in this town because so, he has two World Series titles to his name.
0: McPhail, number one. Dennis Green, number two. Jim, Jim Finks, thinks, number three. Terry Ryan, 1.0, number four. Very important. Brad Childress <laughs> with his sidekick, Rick Spielman, yep, number five. I thought you were going to go Lou Nanny for a bunch of 80s playoff appearances. Nope.
2: The no, North I left stars. Louis off. Louis, God bless him. Uh, he's a friend. He's a great guy. Um, Brian Lawton can't do it. That's okay, all I'm going to say okay. Can't do it, Brian Lawton.
0: I think you might have just ruined your friendship there. With Pat Luke. Lafontaine, okay. yeah, Sylvia okay.
2: Turgeon, Stevie Y, Tommy Barrasso. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> still better. Love my North Stars. Can't Thirty
0: years later, still bitter. Um, uh, all right. Before we get to the dark side
2: of this yes, list, yes, the fun side.
0: Let's talk about. Aquaside, a partner of ours here that you can help support on Mackie and Joe. You can. Uh,
1: Don't let uh, Lake Weeds overtake your pond or your lake home this summer. Call Aquaside today and actually they'll help you identify the problem, make sure your place looks great all summer long. And It's a do-it-yourself product, but it's very easy to use. They'll walk you through the process and you don't want you know your property be overtaken by those weeds in Lake Home uh, so, or at your, we, at your pond or your Lake Home or whatever it is. Aquaside.com. Uh, they're a local company. They're registered with the EPA and the DNR. They're in White Bear Lake. Give them a shout. They're at Aquaside.com.
0: Awesome. Also a shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company helping us out here for a number of years at Score North. Federated understands That the best way to provide industry-leading client value, which they do, is through their own highly trained marketers, underwriters, and risk management personnel and claims professionals. This direct model with innovative products and services is going to help take your business to the next level through risk management tools and resources. Find out more about how Federated can partner with and help your business at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right. Five. Let's get to the dark side
2: here. Bottom five of the of the worst executives that we have seen. All right. Just missing, to be very clear. He was on the cusp, but he does not make it. Chuck Fletcher. So for all Chuck wow. did good. I mean, uh, they had a bunch of playoffs. They did. With Chuck. But his first coach, Todd Richards. His second coach, another guy from the exact same mold, Mike Yo. Um, six playoff appearances in not in nine years, but he signed Parisi and Suter and they only got past the first round twice. Anyway, long story short, he, he was on, he was close, but he does not make it honorable mention Chuck Fletcher. All right. Number five on the list. It might be low, but this list is extremely competitive.
0: It is. There's there. I don't know who you're going to have. Number one, but there's,
2: there's a couple of guys. Uh, number five on the list. The yeller himself, the former Pobo, the former coach, Tibbs. Okay. Um, Tibbs got the Wolves to the playoffs. He did. He acquired Jimmy Butler, but here's the problem. He had no sustained plan. And Jimmy Butler, who was his supposed buddy and an ally... Take
0: job, trade for Jimmy.
2: ...turned on him as quickly as possible. To your point from earlier in today's show and talking about draft picks, he took Chris Dunn... Um, Tibbs' plan was, I'm going to worry about tomorrow and and next year, be damned. Apparently. He had no, he had no clue about how to, like, build something.
0: Jimmy, Jimmy went on, Jimmy did some sort of media or something. I heard, I can't remember the context of this, but Jimmy was telling people that Tom Thibodeau had gone soft in Minnesota when when trying to justify, <laughs> like, you know, why are things burnt out with you at every stop? And he basically said, like. Tom Thibodeau let those guys get away with anything. Like that. Carl Anthony Towns could just be a baby and stuff. So, yeah, I think I heard that. uh it's
2: never Jimmy's fault. He is a good player, but it's Second, never Jimmy's fault.
0: Second, third hand kind of a thing, yep. yeah. Anyhow, Jimmy, all does, right.
2: Jimmy does nothing wrong. All right, number four. This very much qualifies, Phil, to what you said, which is it's the body of work. Because, there, again, there's some good here. But the body of work was destruction of a franchise. Come on down, Kevin McHale. In the job from May of 95 until, if you recall, December of 0- 08, at which point he became coach for the rest of that year, but gave up his power of control. He was the architect of a Wolves team that went to the Western Conference Finals in 2004, and that was great fun. But if you look at the body of work and the destruction of what this franchise became— the man who set that, that in motion, Kevin McHale. No mm-hmm. question about it. He is the guy who, if, if there was a, a dike that was plugged, and a guy was like, what happens if I take my finger off of it? It was McHale. He is fourth because of the ruin that he left with this franchise. After really doing, yeah. what I thought, a decent job to start with. It's, it is like so hard. Terry Ryan 1.0. Yeah,
0: when you identify Kevin Garnett... Yep. Out of high school, it's you. You definitely get some leeway, 100%. but then when you fail to put any roster around Kevin Garnett that's meaningful until eight or nine years into Kevin Garnett's career, yep. mm, I mean, it just the, feels like such a wasted era.
1: The Joe Smith, the Troy Hudson extension, even trading away Sam Cassell for a first round pick that like haunted the Wolves eight years later after the fact. <laughs> like it, 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 it
0: was, it was <laughs> Sam Cassell and a first round pick yeah. for Marco Yarich yeah. was the
2: trade. Horrible. Horrible. And that thing was protected from through like 2042.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's still protected. you right. It's crazy, actually. Yeah. All right. Okay. Wow. That might be higher. Ke-
2: Kevin McHale, that's harsh, but he's fourth. Yeah. I don't think it's harsh. No- number three, a callback to list one. Yeah. It's coming. Terry Ryan 2.0. Yes. <laughs> Below 500 in four of five seasons from 2012 to 16 after returning oh, no playoff appearances oh, a ton of pain ricky nolasco um i did the math guys tricky ricky Terry ryan 2.0 and th- this goes through the july that that he was eventually fired in 16 but i just took this out through the rest of it that year because it was still his team the twins 344 and 466 in a new stadium, like as impressive as what he did in the Metrodome how do you drag how do you help drag down a franchise that is in a new stadium
0: it was bad, I don't think he really wanted to come back, but the the franchise was in such disarray, and again you have these non-curious, just sort of passive owners in the poll ads and they didn't, rather than looking outside, which they finally did eventually with Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, they just didn't know where to look, so I guess we'll just look back to Terry Ryan and do it that way. And it's like and Terry's like, all right, well, I guess. Okay. I think but Terry because- was perfectly content, just maybe being an advisor and a scout, and they dragged him back in.
2: So he- here's the thing about that, though. I-, I went back and checked out the stories. So when Terry came back to replace Billy, he was interim. Like he came back as I'll come back and fix this. Yeah, and then he gave the old okay. I guess I'll take the job. Well, then, then they been... gave
0: him, they gave him a lifetime. They said he has a, a lifetime, lifetime as long as he wants to be the general manager.
2: But he to can your be. point about about being curious or not curious that would have been the perfect time to say Terry, we appreciate it. We are now going to look outside. Yep, they
0: did. Yep, I know who the top two are, and I'm just curious to see in what order you put them.
2: Okay, well, you won't be surprised anyway. Speaking of the twins, going from being Terry Ryan 1.0, hey, look at what they've done. New stadium, oh, good times are ahead. 2010's great. Number two on my list is Bill Smith. The GM from 2008, and and again, this comes back to Phil's point, Terry Ryan, I'm done. Okay, we'll promote Billy. He knows nothing about baseball. He'll be great. The GM from 2008 through 2008, 11 he did have three consecutive winning seasons and two playoff berths thanks to Terry's team um but then they went 63 and 88 and finished 32 games back and it was under him we didn't see it the disintegration started no bill smith bill smith a man who we are told was paranoid enough to sometimes go through drawers he was not supposed to unfortunately didn't pay enough attention to his baseball team
0: He's number two on the list. You know, Billy, I, I covered Billy Smith. He was the general manager when I started covering the Twins beat. He always treated me very, very well. He did, uh, we did have a dust-up. The first time we ever actually talked in person, he called me into, it was during a game, and he called me into his general manager suite, and he had articles printed out that I had written. I think it was two of them about oh, how she, the, oh, the, she, the she, so the medical staff kind of was having a rough stretch there for the Twins, and they uh, they misidentified Pat Neshek's hand injury they they oh, like a injected point. a shot into the wrong spot or something in his hand and was good. and I wrote about it. I was told very reliably what happened, very specifically by someone very close to Pat Neshek. And um, Billy Smith like had had like words in the article highlighted and stuff and he was just like you can't, you can't write about the training staff like this. I said, I'm, I'm getting it pretty reliably. I'm not sure. You know what then we were pretty good to? after that.
2: Brad Childress had the same problem sweating things that you shouldn't be sweating, which caused you to not do your job. Yeah. That's exactly what that is.
0: And number one, I think we all know.
2: Yeah. One of the worst executives, not not just in this town. Oh, no, no, no. One of, I'm convinced, the worst executives in major sports history. David Kahn. Has to be him, right? Uh, He oversaw teams that went, let me go through the list quickly here, 15 and 67, 17 and 65, 26 and 40, 31-51, 31 and 51, and finished in last place each season of his tenure from May 2009 through May of 2013. David Kahn is one of the worst NBA executives ever in the league. Forget Minnesota.
0: There it is. All right. There is Judd's best and worst executives agree, in Minnesota disagree? sports. Like, did I miss fully anybody? agree. No, the, I, I, I think I disagree a little on. Having Chuck Fletcher is like an honorable mention there. But I'm this David Kahn, number one, Billy Smith, number two, Nishioka. Oh my God. I agree. This is a pretty good list. Yeah. Tibbs.
2: I mean, pretty Tibbs as, as an executive was an unmitigated disaster.
0: Yeah. Tibbs, Tibbs as a coach could get the most out of a team for like a year, maybe two. Yeah. And then yeah. things yeah. started to fade. So, But
2: I mean, the Butler trade never had a purpose to it. Yeah. Like what we didn't know well, it was. it did. It was,
0: it was get good quickly yeah, and the, make the playoffs. That was yeah. the
2: purpose. Yeah. I mean, but it was, didn't have a long. But the Warriors
0: are, are sitting over there. It was always a weird and now, I don't know, if there's a way you could go back and, and see what, what that nucleus would have done with Flip Saunders, still the coach, and and or front office executive, and Zach Levine sticks around, I would be curious to see the ultimate yeah. reality. But
2: Absolutely. we can't.
0: So there it is. All right. Judd's got to get to Vikings practice here. Write that down, predictions, tomorrow on Maggie and Judd Daily, Minnesota Sports Entertainment.